Good stuff. And Freddie, you know, Freddie always gets you excited, and there's a lot to be excited about in our church uh, today. If you've been around the back or you've parked where you could see, we have uh, framing going up, and that's cool. We have kids' ministry classes coming back. That's exciting. Uh, one of the things I'm excited about today is actually this sermon. And you're like, well, I mean, come on, Vince, that sounds a little self-serving. It may be, but the reason why is last week Ricky told us about like why we should love the church and these, these ways of like how you love the church. And today we're going to be looking at how Jesus loves and cares for the church. And that is very exciting. And, and we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage for us, a passage that you know, many times we've, we've come to it and we, we grab like the most accessible truth, all right? And it's full of a lot of different truths. And we think that's the thrust of the, pa- the passage. And, and, and we think things like, you know, God can take whatever offering you have and do something extraordinary with it. Um, truths like Jesus plus a little is more than enough. Things like God is in the business of taking little extraordinary, little ordinary things and doing the extraordinary. We think, hey, you're never too young to serve the Lord. However, and those things are true, but they have a tendency of keeping us from seeing the deeper truth of the passage. The, the deeper truth that Mark was highlighting and intended to show. And what did he intend to show? That Jesus is the Lord come to shepherd his people. And we'll see that truth highlighted through five actions that Jesus does in this passage. We'll see that Jesus leads his people. He cares for his people. He trains his people with his word. He is with his people. And finally, he provides for his people. And those those five things point us to that truth that Jesus is the Lord. Come to shepherd his people. So let us read the passage and and see what we have here. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And as they ran there on foot from all the towns and and got, got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five. And two fish. 
Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray. Father, we pray, Lord, that you open our minds, our hearts, and our eyes to behold Jesus as your word presents him to us. And that by beholding him, Lord, we would be changed. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so the first thing we see here is that Jesus leads his people in the desert. See, so the disciples come back from their missionary exploits, right? And, and they're telling Jesus all about it. And you can kind of feel the, the excitement in the air. You can feel the electricity there. They had just, you know, driven out demons. They had healed people. They had, they had seen people come to faith that Jesus is the Messiah. And they come back and, and they're like, hey, this is, this is what's going on. And Jesus says, hey, come, come with me. Let's get out of here. Go, go get some rest for you guys. This harks back to the Exodus, all right? This, this points us back to the Exodus where God went to Pharaoh through Moses and he said, hey, let my people go that they may come out to the desolate place, to, to the uninhabited lands and worship me there. See, it, it points us to something else. And the language here points us to the truth of a redeemer. It points us to Exodus because of Moses being the redeemer of his people. And that makes us think of the true redeemer who was to come, who has now come. And like Moses, this redeemer would lead his people out of slavery where they could find rest in him. And today you may be in the desert. You may be thinking, man, there's no rest for me. There's nothing around me that helps me. There's nothing encouraging. There's nothing edifying. It's, it's just languishing. And, and, and I can't see the Lord at work. I don't see him anywhere. And you're in a desert. The Lord has led you there. He's the one who has led you there, and his leading is purposeful. And it will accomplish that for which he intends. You see, even in the desert, the Lord is leading you. He will bring you to that rest found only in him. The second thing this text holds out for us is that Jesus cares for his people in the desert. See, the passage tells us when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. And that compassion means intense care. He cared for them and not just like oh yeah I care for you no like intense care like down in his in his heart in his belly but why why 
did he care? Why does he care? Because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed, helpless, surrounded by wolves, waiting to attack, put upon by those who would tie heavy loads on the sheep and then not lift a finger to help them bear those loads. That's what he saw, and that's what moved him to compassion, to this place of intense care. And today... Sorry, wrong place in my notes. Jesus' action was to care for them. And again, this points us back to Moses once again. See, in in Numbers uh, 27, Moses says, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. You see, Jesus is that man whom God raised up, but he's more than a man. See, Ezekiel 34, verses 11 and 15 tells us, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And then down in verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. You see, Jesus is the Lord. Come to shepherd his people. And he comes to give them rest. See, he makes them lie down. He comes to lead them out and to go before them and to come in and before them and lead them, what? Inside to a place of rest. So where are you helpless? Where are you harassed? Where do you look out and you see wolves out there waiting to devour you? Where is it that you're carrying a heavy load? And you need the care of the Lord. You see, he doesn't just care for this nameless, faceless crowd of 5,000 or more. No, he cares for you. He has compassion, intense care for you. You know, just because Jesus has ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father, that doesn't mean that his care for you has ended. No, it continues. It, it is still going. And how does he care for his people today? One of the main expressions of his care to his people today is the church. You see, the church is a vehicle of the Lord's care to his people he cares through his under-shepherds, your pastors. He cares through godly people in the church, your CG leaders, your friends, your family that may even be in the church, your family and the Lord. Definitely the fact that the church exists shows his care for you. Because you are here, part of the church. Where do you need care? Let it be known to those around you. Because they have the Spirit.
dwelling within them. That the same spirit that caused Jesus to have intense care, to have compassion on those that he saw like sheep without a shepherd, that spirit will cause his people to care as well. Let it be known to those around you so that the Lord's care can come through his people. The next thing we see in this passage is that Jesus trains his people with his word. Again, this this again just points us back to to Moses, points us back to Exodus. The nation of Israel in the desert received the law from Moses. The law trained them. The law forged them into a people. The law gave them their identity. And in the same way, Jesus now trains his people with his teaching, which is the word of God. He's in the desert, giving the word to his people, forging them into a people, training them in righteousness. Jesus tells us in John 10 that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, and they listen to it. They obey. They respond to it. And in the same way, Jesus gives his word to his sheep, and they recognize his voice and obey him. Why? Because he is the Lord come to shepherd his people. And he does that through his word. He does that through his word. Now, recently, I was talking to one of my kids, and I realized that I'd kind of done them a disservice. Now, why the disservice? Well, you know, we say often in the church, God speaks primarily through his word. And that's true. The disservice came in not explaining how that works. You know, it's not like we come to the Lord with a burden or a question or a a, like, I need the answer to this this thing right now. And we go, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. While that's true, that doesn't really answer my question, Lord. Like, that's not how it works. So how does it work? Well, it works by us being in the word, by us getting the word in us, and it takes up residence in our heart, and it fills our mind. And then when when something happens that we have a question or a crisis of faith, the Spirit comes and He uses all that word that's been in our heart and in our mind. And He says, hey, boom, here's, here's how this all comes together to help you right now to help guide you in in what you're working through right now. See, that's how it works. And and, and so so what does it mean? It means we need to be in the Word. We need to be in the Word daily, and and many of us do that. And we think of devotions as something oftentimes like, man, i got to do it. But what does the Word say? It says devotions. That means what? we got to be devoted to something. What are we devoted to? We're devoted to getting the word in us. Psalm 119.10 says what? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like that's, that's what, that should be the aim of devotions, to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him, that we might remember what he says in certain circumstances that will encourage us, that will help us. And if you're in the desert right now, I just want to encourage you, get in the word. Get in the word. 
That may be why Jesus brought you to the desert, so that he can train you by his word, because he is the Lord. Come to shepherd his people. And he does that with the word as well. Next thing we see is that Jesus is with his people. You know, a lot of times we come to this passage and we can just kind of gloss over some of the details, right? And, and maybe you've read this passage and you've noticed this detail and you've been like, why is that here? I don't get it. Because at first glance, it's kind of like, I don't, okay. But why does Mark tell us that when Jesus told them to sit down in groups, that they sat down in groups of hundreds and groups of fifties? Why does he give us that much detail? Well, again, it points us back to Exodus. You see, in the Mosaic camp, when they would set up the, the, the camp, there were certain ways that it had to go. Each tribe was in a specific place every time. And what was in the middle? The tabernacle, the place that they would go and meet the Lord, that they would perform sacrifice to the Lord, that, that where they would go and burn the incense, where Moses would go and meet the Lord. It was called the tent of meeting. The Lord was in the midst of his people in the desert, in the exodus. They were encamped around the tabernacle in an orderly fashion. And the orderliness of the groups in hundreds and fifties points us back to that. And the truth that the Lord, Jesus, is in their midst. He is with them so that they might be shepherded by him and find rest. Because he's the Lord and he shepherds his people. And finally, we come to the the, the truth that Jesus provides for his people in the desert. Just as Yahweh provided manna in the desert for 40 years for his people in their wanderings, Jesus, who is Yahweh, provides bread for his people in the wilderness. Again, this points us back to the Exodus. God is doing something in the desert with his people. God forges them into a nation. God instructs them in the way that they should live and, the, and how they should look. God led them for 40 years. God cared for them after their hardship in Egypt. And then he trained them with his word. And finally, what happened? He provided bread and meat in the desert. And Jesus does the same in the desert here, doesn't he? He provides bread and meat for his people because he is the Lord and he's come to shepherd his people. And if you think he's stopped providing, look around you. Think about the things that you have. Are you breathing right now? Provision. Your heart is beating right now. The Lord's provision. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food on your table? Do you have money to pay your bills? Do you have people around you that can help you if you fall short in those things? Yes, you do. It's called the church. The Lord's provision. Everything that we have is from his hand. He has not stopped providing. He has not stopped providing. If anything, I would say he has provided even more than just bread and fish for us. The trick is to look at what you have 
not what you don't have. Because, man, if you're like me, my heart can look at, at things that I don't have and go, that would be nice. That would be cool. When it should be saying, man, look at all I have. Look at what I have and I don't deserve. And that is all a provision from our faithful Lord who comes to shepherd his people. What does all this mean for us, though? What does it mean for us here today in 2021? It means Jesus leads us to freedom from slavery to sin to give us rest. It means Jesus cares for us. He didn't just say, hey, hey, clean up your life and then I'll care for you. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It means he trains us. And that training through his word roots us and builds us up in him. It means that he's with us. And he will be with us till the end of the age is what his promise is. And it means he provides for us all we need for life and godliness, his word says. What a shepherd. What a savior. But that's not all it means. It means more than that. You, you know, all of these throwbacks to Moses and the Exodus. Why does Mark do that? Why does Mark highlight that for us in such overt ways that make you go, man, what's going on here? It's because Moses himself said in Deuteronomy 18, Verse 15, he said, the Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And then later in verse 18, God says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command. Mark is showing us that that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. God has raised up a prophet like Moses. But Jesus is the greater Moses. See, Jesus is the greater Moses. While Moses was a redeemer from, from slavery, Jesus is a redeemer from sins. The one who would free his people from their sins. He is the one who would give them rest from their sin. Rest from fear of judgment and condemnation. And, now, and he is the one who would, would follow the law completely and end uh, and give us rest from our striving to keep it. And now through faith, we enjoy the benefits of his keeping the law and his obedience. But not only is he the true redeemer, oh, he's more than that. He's the true bread. He's the true bread in the wilderness. In John 6, Jesus said that he is the bread of life. That he is the true bread from heaven. The bread that the manna intended to point to. He is now the true bread. And just as the manna gave life and bread gives life, Jesus gives new life. You see, this points out that Jesus in being the greater Moses is greater than Moses because he is the Lord. 
See, he made the bread more than it was. And he showed his power of creation. But his being the true bread shows he has the power of recreation. See, he remade the bread to be more than it was, and he can remake you to be more than you are. You start as a child of wrath, as one at enmity with God. And when he remakes you, what does he make you? A child of God. Beloved by God. This happens because he is the true bread from heaven that gives eternal life. And we're about to observe communion. We're going to come to the Lord's table and enjoy the Lord's Supper. So if you don't have a, 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 a packet close by, go on and grab one right now. And if you've believed in Jesus' death on the cross to pay for your sins and you've put your faith in him, then this meal is for you. If you haven't, we just ask you to observe This is a family moment. It's a family feast for the family of God. And if you're not part of the family, we ask you to watch. But it's fitting today that we take communion because of the many parallels between this passage and the passage that we're going, that that, the passage of the institution of the Lord's Supper in Mark. Mark 14. Starting in verse 22. So go on and open the bread. And as they were eating, he, that is Jesus, took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them. And he said, take. This is my body. Go on and take the bread. Remembering that this is a sign of the true bread from heaven who gives eternal life. Go on and open the next portion now. Verse 23 says, And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Let us drink the juice. Remembering the blood shed for the forgiveness of sins that's been poured out for many. The band's going to come forward and lead us in a song. Uh, I encourage you to reflect on the sacrifice of the Lord, our shepherd, who came to shepherd his people. Reflect on those elements that we just, just partook of. The bread, which, which shows us the true bread from heaven. The blood, which shows us the costliness of our sin. That the Son of God would die. to bring forgiveness of those sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to do what we just talked about, that, that he would die to ransom and redeem his people. Lord, to lead his people, to care for his people, to be with his people. 
to instruct his people and to provide for his people all that we need for life and godliness. And Father, for those here today that may not know you, Lord, we pray that, that you are working in their hearts as only you can to uh, give new life as only the true bread from heaven can. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you sing together.